Welcome back, everybody. It's Monday. Monday, week ten of the podcast. Is that right? Yeah. Because isn't, te- isn't it technically week nine though? Because no, because we're gonna hit episode thirty on Friday. But thirty would be ten times three is thirty. Well, right, but what are you, what are you doing? Wouldn't it be episode like thirty? Th- no. I think it's week nine, but I'm just gonna I'll let you have it. <laughs> we'll 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 go over it after this because I'm <laughs> I think you keep getting this Listen, shit wrong. You do your little intro. Alright. I'm gonna go count the weeks. So it's Monday. You all know what that means. We're here to recap hashtag UFC Fight Island five, correct? This is the tenth week. I don't believe you. I just counted the week. Okay, so is it week... Is this... This ha- is week 10. No, listen to me. Is it hashtag UFC Fight oh. Island 5? Yeah, UFC... Hashtag UFC Fight Island 5 just ended... Yes. Saturday. And that's what we're recapping today. Yep. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> but, first, <sighs> it's time for... The news. The news. We start with the fight announcement for UFC 256 happening in December, December 12th. Right. A lot of really, yes, December 12th, a lot of women's action. Yep. Uh, we go to the uh, strawweight division. Yes. Number 14 ranked Mackenzie Dern. Yes. The, the, a girl with a lot of hype around her, a girl that's uh Everybody's favorite jiu-jitsu practitioner. I don't know if I'd go that far. But she's going up against the number 15 ranked Birna Jandarova. Another insanely talented jiu-jitsu practitioner. So, we just going to assume that this fight's going to be all jiu-jitsu then? Well, you know how some of these fights yeah, play out. Style, those, when you have that, those styles. Colby Usman comes to mind, yeah, right, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Where are right, wrestler versus wrestler, jiu-jitsu versus jiu-jitsu. They might they're going to they, grapple. They might cancel each other out. Well, Usman and uh, Colby had one of the best stand-up wars ever, so... Mm-hmm. This could be a stand-up battle, but I, I think it's going to be a really technical, very sound grappling match if I had to make a prediction two months out. Um, these two women, for Virna, she's a little bit more experienced. She's 16-1. and Mackenzie Dern is 9-1. and one. Between them, they have 19 submissions. Yeah. yeah. Guess how many knockouts they have between them. I'm going to go with a mm, less than three. Uh, zero. Zero. Neither of these women have any sort of knockout wins. Um, they love to get it to the ground and finish it, which is why this fight's going to be so interesting because really neither of these women have probably went up against someone at this caliber of jiu-jitsu. Yeah, both of their levels are like... Both of their jiu-jitsu expertise are levels above the rest, yeah. so the fact that they're matched together is all. It's like the there's levels to this, and yes. these two women are at the top. Yeah. So it's a really interesting matchup because, you know, for both of them, they just submit everybody. Yeah. So you have to think that, like, at some point, either one of them's going to show that they're still on a different level. Yes. Or, eventually, they're going to have to use something else in their skill set to really prove that they are the better fighter. Yeah. Because it takes a complete skill set sometimes. Only loss in Verna's career is to highly regarded Carla Esparza, yeah, former yeah. strawweight champ. She lost to her by unanimous decision. And the only loss for Dern Amanda. is my girl, Amanda Ribas, who's on that card, yep. fighting Carla Esparza, yep. funny enough, yeah, and funny. that was also by decision. So yep. this is really perfect matchmaking and a great fight between two amazing jiu-jitsu artists. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm really a little dark. surprised that uh, 
Mackenzie is fighting back in rankings because yeah, Baronella is ranked 15. I thought she was going to get Angela Hill. Yeah. That's what I thought was next, but it's still it's yeah, a good fight. But I think for it's her. a good matchup on paper. Yeah. Uh, we'll see kind of who. We'll get to learn a lot about at least one of them as far as who's going to have probably a more diverse skill set or who really is like a the true queen of jiu-jitsu in yeah, that division. No kidding. So there's a lot that can be answered with that fight, and I'm very excited to see it. Oh, yeah. So from there we move on to Derek Brunson making some headlines. Um, Derek Brunson had the biggest win, arguably, of his career just about two months ago when he took out the uh, rising prospect yep. Edmund Shabazi. He stopped the hype train. Yeah, he ran through him a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy with that. That guy had a lot of hype. Yeah, three-fight win streak now for Derek. Yeah, like, completely earned it, too. Like, But Derek Brunson, number seven ranked uh, middleweight. Ballsy call-out that we're about to mention here. Yeah, he called out number two ranked Paulo Costa, who we just saw Ooh. lose a couple weeks ago in the title fight to Adesanya. Dom, what do you think of this fight? It's one that kind of surprised me, but I, I, I like it for Brunson to call him out. Grappler versus striker. Again, ballsy call out for Brunson, but I respect it. I do too. Like, he wants to prove he belongs. He's He doesn't want to keep taking on these up-and-comers or these, you know, 10 through 15 guys. Mm-hmm. And we've seen where he, when he gets tasked with the top 10s, he struggles. So... I mean, this is a challenge. We know how good Paulo is. Yeah. Don't let the fight against Adesanya fool you. At least yet. We'll see how he performs his next time out. Uh, I think it's a great fight. Again, striker, striker versus grappler, too. Tough matchup for both, I'd imagine, but I think tougher for Brunson just because we've seen how Costa can, like, avoid being taken down. Again, he fought Yoel Romero, and we saw how that went. So yeah. It's an interesting fight. I, I, I like the call-out, and I like the fight for both guys because uh, right now Costa's stock cannot get any lower, unfortunately. Like, he has been clowned. He has been – he has not made things easy on himself either. I mean, he did talk a lot of shit leading up to the fight, and then yeah. afterwards he keeps telling Izzy, sign the contract for a rematch. Yeah, and we're like, huh? There ain't and, no one. Yeah, it literally don't exist. Yeah, I don't think so. So he's going to have to earn his way back. And the number seven ranked, like, yeah, that's a little bit further down. But, I mean, when you look at what's ahead of him, they're either booked right now. Exactly. Or, yeah. you know, he's already fought Yoel. So, um, all in all, I think that would be the fight to make unless he wants to wait uh, for the loser of if Whitaker or Cannonier. Yeah. So, that would be, like, the only other option. Or if he's, depending on how long he wants to sit out, wait for the loser of Hermanson Till. Jack Till in December. So there's some options for him, but I think that if he's ready to go here soon, um, why not go with Brunson? Yeah, and for him, Brunson's stock can't be any has never been higher. Right, he has the reputation, always have, of being the gatekeeper. Yeah, you've seen him be thrown to Adesanya on his rise. Um, He's he's been finished a lot. He was thrown to uh, Robert Whitaker on his rise. Uh, It's it's kind of been his his role. It's like he's like the gatekeeper. It's like yeah. if you're legit, you can beat Derek Brunson. But if if you're not quite there yet, that's like the RDA kind of thing. Yeah, that's how I've except RDA has of course made it to the yeah, top. But that's kind of been his reputation, and you see it in his ranking. He's number seven. He's right in the middle of the pack in that top fifteen. So I like the matchup, and I think it would. Paulo Costa, you know, he still has to, he has to prove that he's got to come back in a big way, yeah. and I think a win over Brunson could really do that for yeah, him. Yeah, especially in a convincing one. And for Brunson, obviously, if you're going number seven and you beat number two, 
You're right in the title mix well, now. Well, you got to think that Costa, in my opinion, he would have to really work to earn another title shot against. Oh, Alexander. I think he would need four it, wins, three wins. Uh, oh, I guess it just depends on who it is. And I how legitimately they don't are. think they'll book it unless he like unless he comes out and starts knocking people out in ten seconds. Yeah, and, you know, but. I think he's looking at a long road back to, and what's only going to prolong that is Adesanya might be going up and fighting John Jones here soon. That might be more helpful. If Izzy goes to two hundred five, then Costa has an easier way back to the title. So there's just a lot well, of why, factors. Well, involved. I don't think Izzy would be unless Izzy's dropping the bell, but I don't think that's what's happening. I, I don't think, think he's going to drop it anytime soon. But it, assuming because Jones wouldn't be for the light heavyweight title, no, not right now, no. So I. I think that it might be a longer road just because Izzy might be taking a big money fight with John Jones. You don't know. Or he's going to go up and fight Jan for the light heavyweight title. Who the hell knows? Uh, Paulo just needs to... I think he needs to try to get back in there soon because yeah. I just think that right now, you know, his stock is really low. He almost needs to go out there and try and prove that his performance was a fluke. Yeah. I mean, that's really... That would right be now, best case Right for now, him. he's being looked at as like... Like, he sucks. That's yeah. what people were basically saying, and that's not fair. That guy earned that title shot. He was killing people. Yeah. He, he nearly took out Yoel Romero. Yeah. I mean, it's that guy's a, a monster. Just didn't show it in the, in the light. You know, he's looking a little funny in the light. His biggest platform, his biggest stage, he didn't show up. And a lot of it is Izzy is that good too, so it's just hard. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to take anything away from Izzy in that, but Paulo, the Paulo that had ran through, you know, Uriah Hall and Yoel Romero did not show up that night. It's just not who it was. But I'd like to see that fight. We'll see if it happens. Very interesting just because those two guys are on, like, different... Like, Paulo's the one that's higher ranked, but Derek's the one that has the momentum right now. Yeah. For sure, so... That could be a fight we could see by the end of the year, maybe. I could... I, I'm down I for I mean, it. as bad as Paulo got beat up, he didn't take... A ton of damage, yeah. either. You know what I mean? It's uh, so. it's definitely something that you know that would be a fight fight night headliner or yeah. on a pay per view. So we'll see if it's by the end of the year. But the UFC's really booked on their yeah. fight nights for a while, so might be waiting for that one. May never happen. Paulo seems to be pretty stubborn right now, and I get it. So we'll see. But I guess we'll leave that there. Move on to uh, Darren Till, also middleweight. He is number six. What a guy. He, he what is, a character. He is scheduled to fight number four, Jack Hermanson, as a fight night headliner in December. Uh, he basically laid out his plans for his next three fights. Loved it, too. He had a whole day of just calling out people. Yeah, if you guys don't know, Darren Till is like... Hilarious. Yeah. <clears throat> very meme-heavy Twitter and Instagram accounts. And it's truly just great comment. Or content. Yeah. In the MMA uh, Twitter sphere. Yeah, so he, <clears throat> based up for his next three fights, he first sees knocking out Jack Hermanson in December. Yep. The most interesting part of this is <laughs> yeah, for sure. his next fight, he wanted, he wanted Hamza Chimaev. Yeah. Which it seems like nobody wants. Precisely. And then he said after that he would fight Adesanya for the belt. Yeah. So, Dom, what do you think of this plan for him and... Could you see it going that direction? If that's what he actually wants to do, and assuming Hamza continues to win, because I'm assuming he's going to have at least one fight before he would have the chance to fight Till. The way he's fighting, he'll probably have six fights by the time that comes. 
Um, it could definitely make sense because depending on who Hamzat fights, he could make his way into that top 10 of the uh, middleweight division. So it would make sense. Still would be a risky fight for Darren considering if he beats Jack, that would be number four. So he would be fighting backwards if he were to fight Hamzat. Mm-hmm. But with a lot of hype, a lot of people would want to see it. So it's still kind of a positive to him anyway. And if he were to lose, then it's just like, oh, well, we all knew Hamzat was that good anyway. So it's not as bad of a loss as it looks like yeah. in terms of ranking. And then, of course, if he starches both of them, then we I already talked about him and Izzy is like such an awesome fight. So. Yeah. I love his little path that he made. I, I mean, for obviously he's got to get through Jack first. Yeah, um, that's no, no joke. Yeah, huh. no pun intended. He's called the Joker. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Just for the listeners. For a second, I didn't. I was like, uh, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, that's right. Um, but I, I really like that he's game for Hamza. Like, we'll see if that really proves to be true. But you got to imagine he, he's fighting Jack in December. Even if he goes through him and. Like easily, like even if he takes no damage, knocks out Jack or Manson, whatever, uh, you got to imagine it would probably be a couple months I'd after say before February, you, March at the earliest. you would see him fighting Hamza, and by that point, Hamza might have fought That's what <laughs> three I'm saying, more dude. times, so it, that fight could make a lot of sense. Yeah. Hamza might already be fighting for a belt at that point. Exactly. So uh, this fight, you know, keep your eye on it. We could be talking about that being a title eliminator for sure at mm-hmm. that point, and. Uh, the fight with Izzy has just got the makings of like a true technical masterpiece. Yeah, it so, would be so fun. Um, I like the I like the callouts. I like him laying it out like that and being like, "Yeah, I'll fight Hamza." Yeah. He's like, "I don't care." So shout out to him for that. I love Darren Till. Yeah, uh, what a guy. Just, what a guy. Just want to see him get a big win. I feel like he's been um, his resume. You want to hear a hot take? What's that? Darren Till's not proven. His resume is not that impressive. I don't want to go too much of a tangent, but the hot take I is see where that, you're coming the from. hot take is that Darren Till is still not proving himself yeah. in my eyes. Right. He's knocked out Cowboy Cerrone. Very close split decision win over uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, which hey, look, it's impressive to even be able to hang with Wonderboy and yeah. just ask um, what's our boy's name that's ranked in uh, that fought Wonder Boy got beat up. Luque? Yep. Vicente Luque. You know, that was a guy who really hung in there but then got beat up at yeah. the end of that fight. So for Darren to be able to he landed the hardest shot of the fight and that one not dropped till in like the fourth or fifth round. Yeah. But then after that he gets the title fight against Woodley, gets starched. Woodley's last title defense before his descent into being very not good. Yeah. Um, he comes back, gets knocked out by Jorge Masvidal in a fight that he was winning up until that point. He dropped Masvidal in the first round, but still got knocked out. Uh, then he moves up and wait, uh, has a decent decision decision win over Kelvin Gastelum, who right now that that's not looking like a yeah. Kelvin's kind of on the, the decline as well as of now. Uh, and then he had the very close split decision loss to that not split decision, awesome. excuse me, the close uh, decision loss to Robert Whitaker. Uh, great fight. Uh, he did land some really good shots on Robert Whitaker, who is the who was the champion. Like no slouch in losing to him. I'm just saying he he in hasn't his, proven himself to be a title challenger. In his biggest fights, he hasn't gotten it done. Yeah, to me, he just hasn't proven he's a title right. challenger. Yet. It's not even like it's not a slight toward him. We love Darren. Like, I he's think awesome. he's I think he's proven that he's a borderline top five guy. But is he really 
championship. He, he's material. yet to have that one convincing against like one convincing win against that guy that's still in their prime, and he beats him. Like yeah. he he knocked out Cowboy, which is a great win. But it, you're, then you look at Cowboy now, and you're like, oh. Yeah, I mean, when he beat him, Cowboy you know, was lost four in a row, yeah. and he just had a draw. And then he beat Kelvin, but then you're like, ooh, Kelvin As, is on was, a downslope. He's on his, like, he just like, got submitted in yeah, 40 seconds. So. By Jack Romanson. So, Till could very likely come out here and really has a chance to put on a clinic and put on a show and prove it when he can fight a guy like Hermanson. Because Hermanson is legit. Yeah, completely agree. So, I like that layout. Uh, hopefully, it happens. Or... You know, don't want to say I hope Hermanson or Hamzat loses, but just hope that we can see those fights at some point. Right. So now we move on to a little bit of bad news. Bad news, Bears. It's only it's the only uh, fight that's uh, being canceled. UFC 254, which is happening in two weeks. <laughs> yep, headlined by um, Habib versus Justin Gaethje for the lightweight title. Lower on the main card, we were having a big fight at lightweight as well as Rafael Dos Anjos, the former champion, yep. was going back to his yep. weight class. He was the title holder of. He had spent the last couple fights at welterweight, so he's going back to lightweight, and he was challenging uh, Islam Makachev, who's a big up-and-comer right now, friends with Habib, trains with Habib. Um, so that was a big fight for both men. Uh, that fight is now off. RDA tested positive for covid uh, they had been trying to find a replacement for Islam, but Islam even called out uh, Michael Chandler, which I mean, b- before what we heard about Michael Chandler being like the title replacement would make sense. But I, I thought that would have been a great fight. Yeah. I just it seems like the UFC have bought in more to Michael Chandler than even we have. Yeah. So uh, I don't see that happening, and I don't. In my opinion, I'm pessimistic that I don't think he's going to be on this card. I think he'll fight. Uh, Who against? I think it'd be cool if they got Benil Dayush in there or, I don't know, anybody, any of these game guys. I'd love to see him fight Chandler, but like you said, with Chandler being the replacement fighter for the Mm -hmm. championship fight, it's like, yeah, well, Chandler's going to have a fight uh, on this card just in case. uh, So that way he can still fight if Habib and Justin both make weight. But it's going to be against the number 12 guy. Yeah. But it's like, wait, he's going to fight number 12. But he was going to be a replacement fighter. I mean, if you re- if you really think he's that good, it might be that might be. So I mean, I mean, I'm not opposed. Like if they do it, I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's fine with me. It's just if you're Chandler, you probably don't even want that fight. No, that's a tough fight. No, dude. I don't think he'll take that. I I'm not think... saying Chandler can't beat him, but like when you're right there in title conversation before you've even had a fight in the yeah. UFC, you don't want to risk fighting number twelve. Yeah, and I think Benil Dariush makes a lot of sense. The guy above him at number eleven. A guy who has looked really good as of late. And Oliveira was the one that got injured, right? Yeah, Oliveira so, is the one that got injured. I mean, so he's, Bill, uh, he's free Bill right now. technically yeah. free. And really the rest of that pack is not. I mean, Cowboy just fought, yeah. and they they he may be not fighting anymore. Yeah. Drew Dober scheduled number 14 against number 8, Diego Fajera. Yeah. Gregor Gillespie's another one, but he's below Islam. I don't know if that fight would happen. Could you actually imagine Islam versus Dayush? Oh, it'd be a great that fight. That could be a awesome fight. Number 10, Kevin Lee is injured right now. Uh, number 9, Ally Aquina. That one could be interesting. Uh, but he's just kind of sporadic with his activity. He's selling houses. And then you got number 7, he's Paul Felder, who's basically kind of retired, but that could be interesting. 
There's options, but I I'm not very confident he gets a fight. Uh, Dariush, though, I like that one. Well, and you can like you can only justify bumping him up so much when he was gonna welcome back an unranked. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could say what I could say is that uh, I I think he'll get a fight pretty soon after 254. I just don't think we'll see him fight on this card. But that's a shame because that fight looked that uh, could have been a great. I fight. hope they can get it. The good thing is. There's so many people that just want to fight right now. It's it's a better chance of happening this time than yeah. like at normal. I mean, times. they could give so him some guy who's like unranked, but I don't know if Islam will take that. Like, it just you know, he's a guy that's on the rise. I don't know if it makes much sense for him to be fighting down. You know, I don't think I, that's how guys look at it. So that's why I'm saying it that way. Darius is kind of the only one that makes sense. I just don't know if it'll happen. So maybe Hamzat will go down. Maybe they'll do a catchweight between him and Hamzat <laughs> at 155. That shit would be nuts. What if he just went up at 170 for one fight? <laughs> Imagine him and Hamzat. I'm just spitballing. Yeah. God. I don't know if I'd really. That would be nuts. I know, but Islam's so much smaller. Hey man, you don't know what he walks around uh, at. Whatever. So we're going off of that bad news, and we're going to end on a high note here. A very soon to be high note. A as huge well. fight at women's flyweight has been and you said we talked about this before long time ago I don't remember it so it must have been really early on we got the official confirmation that next this coming Saturday yeah six days our co-main is a a fight fight night main event yes and that's number one ranked Caitlin Chukagian yes versus the number two at strawweight I believe but she's moving up for her first fight at flyweight, Jessica Andrade, the former flyweight title holder. Dom, this is a title eliminator fight. If Andrade wins this, she is next for Valentina. Yeah. It's which, one million which I'm percent. I'm so excited to see that, even if I don't have much faith in Andrade to pose too much of a threat. But I love just I love Jessica Andrade. So I like that she's getting a big fight here in her like debut in the division. Yeah. It's a tough one. Oh yeah, Chukagian's gonna have that length. It's an interesting we've seen Jessica, fight. We've seen Jessica struggle. She's a bit uh, shorter arms, doesn't have quite the reach. Shorter girl in general is a bit stockier. She's had trouble with those lanky strikers. You know, she had a lot of trouble with Rose, and it's not been. And you know, Joanna uh, back in the day and stuff like that. Whenever she's able to get inside, that's when she is an absolute animal. Uh, so what do you think of this fight overall? So Jessica used to be at bantamweight, which is crazy, believe it or not. Because she's as thick and as strong as she is, she's very short. And, like, she's just not big. So she was undersized at bantamweight and still kicked ass. Then she went to strawweight, 115, kicked ass, became the champion. So now she's right in the middle at 125. This could be perfect for her. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see in a few days, but stylistically... Power striker versus an insanely talented grappler. Long and lanky, short and stocky. I mean, there's a, a lot of intangibles to this. Yeah, one. and Chukagian being that she had already, she's already lost to Valentina not too long ago for the title. That was the last pay-per-view before everything happened with COVID. Yeah. 
So uh, I can't say for sure that if she won, she would be getting a title shot. But for Andrade, you have to believe that if she does, she's next. This is more of a, a title shot eliminator for Andrade than Chukagian. Because I believe if Caitlyn wins, again, she really just lost Valentina not that long ago. So I think she'd have to do one more fight. Yeah. So if Caitlyn wins, then I believe the winner of Calvillo, Lauren Murphy, gets Valentina next. Mm-hmm. If Andrade wins, she's definitely going to be next. I'd yeah. be shocked if she wasn't. Yeah, just because she's got the name value, former title holder at uh, Strawway, yeah. it would make a lot and of sense. And would technically beat number one. So yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but I love that this fight's happening literally this <laughs> yeah, Saturday. Dude. That fight night's looking incredible on paper. Uh, but that is the end of the news. The news. And we're going to move on to, before we get into our recap of hashtag UFC Fight Island 5, uh, we're going to talk about the Bellator card that happened on Saturday. Bellator 248, the first ever event in Paris, France, correct? The first major organization in France. Technically, yeah. the first event in France was the day before. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, yeah. MMA made its breakthrough into France this weekend. Yeah. Big deal, Big especially news. considering what's going on in the world and how hard it is to hold fights yes. anywhere, and they yeah. did it during that, yeah, during exactly. the pandemic. Uh, it was headlined by a man who is very well-known for his roots being in France, and that's Czech Congo. And quite possibly one of, if not the best and most unexpected comeback win in UFC history against oh, Pat, yeah, Barry. Pat Barry. My God, if you have not yeah, seen I that fight. I highly recommend checking out. If you, can, you can look it up on YouTube, I'm sure, or find it somewhere if you have Fight Pass. Find it on there. Check Congo versus Pat Barry. It only lasts, I think it's less than a minute. Yeah, look it up. It's worth your time. Yep. But he is 45 now. That's and he crazy. was headlining against Tim Johnson, who's 10 years younger. Um, he Both these guys, UFC vets. Uh, Tim Johnson ends up picking up a split decision win disappointing for Congo but just for him to headline that card you have right. to think that that's like that has to mean something oh, yeah. you know but Tim Johnson is now on a three fight win streak yeah. including um, a knock a TKO win in his last his fight before this over Matt Mitrione so you have to think that he's probably next for Ryan Bader at heavyweight yeah once Bader is like ready to go again cause you know he just lost his light heavyweight title. Yeah. Title, excuse me. So uh, you have to think that he's probably next for Bader at heavyweight. I would imagine so. Again, I don't know the exact rankings or how they're even really organized there mm-hmm. in Bellator. But a guy that's on a three-fight win streak just had a huge win against a huge name fighter in Czech Congo. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Bader's been the champ in both, or not light heavyweight anymore, but he's been the champ for a while now. And I'm sure he's probably getting ready to get back in there. He lost about a month or so ago his light heavyweight belt. So I think that's a that's a good fight, an interesting matchup. It is. Uh, Tim Johnson, when he was in the UFC, was never the – he was always – he's probably one of the most boring fighters I've ever watched, if you talk about his UFC tenure. But now that he's went, made that move to Bellator, yeah. he's been very impressive over his last few fights. I mean, he's actually been finishing people. Yeah. Um, he had a few moments last night where he looked like he might finish Czech Congo. So uh, you got to think that, like, maybe we're seeing kind of a guy, what kind of like the Jan Blahovich thing, where it's yeah. like a guy in the twilight of his career is... One last ride. Yeah, it's like one last ride. You know, he's 35. Sure, he's probably going to, you know, he seems like the kind of guy, he, he hasn't taken a ton of damage in his career. Right. He can probably go for a few more years, but... Um, 
I was just checking the rankings. Uh, so, what's funny is Tim Johnson's not even, it's not listed in the top 10 for heavyweight, but Chet Conga was listed as number one. Well, there you go. So, I think if you're out here beating number one contenders, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how, uh, like, I don't know if these are like updated or not. I just found this. Oh, this was last updated March 4th, so it's been a while. Okay. Because Mitrion's listed as sixth, and he TKO'd Mitrion. So, point being, looks like Tim Johnson should be next for that heavyweight title, and that would be an interesting matchup. Uh, something, it would be tough if Bader was to lose both belts back to back fights. Yeah. That'd be tough. But I think he's proven he's a better heavyweight than light heavyweight. Yeah, I believe so. I think he's just built better for yeah. it. Can perform better mm-hmm. up at a higher weight. The other fight we want to touch on is lower on the card. Uh, Michael Venom Page, a guy who's been... He's really got a lot of hype, uh, I would say, for Bellator. He's he was kind of like their superstar He's there. been championed as like their their big prospect that they've been building up. Yeah. <clears throat> he had a fight last night, or Saturday night, uh, against Ross Houston, where he ended up winning by via unanimous decision. Ross Houston uh, being the Cage Warriors welterweight champion. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Cage Warriors, that's like where Conor McGregor held two belts. Yep. Uh, quite the uh, farm for uh, really growing these. Up like, and coming uh, town. Yeah. Uh, but they had a very sluggish fight. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very poor fight, just being honest. Did not do much for it. did not really show that Houston was ready for the, the, big, big, the big leagues of Bellator. Yep. And for Page, this is, again, he has been... Um, for 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 as much time and effort as Bellator has put in the really building up Michael Venom Page, and for him to kind of have that personality and that style that really sells well with like a casual audience, um, there's been a growing negate negator side as well where they've started to people becoming more and more like he doesn't fight anybody that's like you know of the same right. of that caliber. Because um, he at one point was putting on these incredible finishes, well, performances, yeah. flashes. I remember and at now, one point because he had gotten a lot of comparisons to Wonder Boy yeah. for his style. And I remember hearing debates online about if he could beat Wonder Boy Thompson. I think after Saturday, and probably even should have known this before, he's not at that caliber. Right. Uh, he, look, I, I like Michael Venom Page, I, I like what he brings to the sport. But eventually, you have to just... I mean, eventually, you can't just keep feeding him these guys that aren't ready for... They're not on the same level as the rest of the division. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing about, like, uh, the former WWE superstar, Jack Swagger. Yeah. Who's there. His name's actually uh, Jake Jake Hager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... They, you know, they've done the same thing with him. They bring in these guys that are like one and one, and they're forty years old in their professional MMA career. Yeah, it's like this guy would not be fighting in Bellator unless you wanted. You just wanted. Yeah, I mean, this, this is one of your superstars, so you want yeah. him in these, you know, bigger fights. And and he's already thirty three. Yeah, it's it's weird. His that brings his record to be eighteen and one. That's impressive, but. Really, the biggest win on his resume is Paul Daly, yeah. and that was also a very sluggish fight. But then his one loss, which was by far the 
biggest, biggest name, name on was his... Douglas Lima, exactly. who knocked him out in a highlight real knockout. Yeah, one of their studs in Bellator. But Douglas you look Lima. at the the fight since then for him, he's knocked out Richard Keeley, Giovanni Malilo, Shinzo Anzai, and then Ross Houston. I'm sorry, but those aren't those aren't the same caliber. <laughs> So it's kind of like he's 33. How much longer do you really have? Like, you're just gonna have to start giving him more legit guys yeah. and see if he can prove that he's really worth it. Yeah. That's just kind of how I feel about it. But I it was agree. a very poor fight. I'm just being honest. It, it stinks just, when you have such a great character and personality, and then the fight's just. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it, it just it, it didn't do anything for either man really, and that's a shame. But that, it's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. But we did just want to touch on that. That was Bellator 248, the first major MMA promotion to host an event in Paris, France. Global. Yep. Global Impact. Love touching on that. But we move on to hashtag UFC Fight Island 5. We're recapping the whole pay- the whole main card. Another six-fight main card. Yeah, of course, now it's on here updated for me <laughs> to show that it was six fights. But just to run down our results from Saturday night. We started with featherweight Ilya Tupiria getting a unanimous decision win over Yusuf Zalau. And then we had the heavyweights, Tom Aspinall, getting a TKO win in a minute and 35 seconds over Alan Baldo. That man is for real. Oh, we'll get into it. Then we go to middleweight where Drickus Duplessis gets a very impressive knockout win over Marcus Perez. That's the guy that dresses up like the Joker at the press conferences, if you don't know. Looks pretty damn spot on, too. Yeah, too bad he just keeps losing when he does it. Uh, then another heavyweight action as Marcin Tibura gets a big unanimous decision win over Ben Rothwell. Our co-main event was at featherweight as Bearded Barboza. This man's for real, yeah, the Bearded. Edson, yeah, it looked him damn good, too. Edson Barboza gets a big unanimous decision win over Makwan Amir Khani. And in the night at our main event at Bantamweight, Corey the Sandman Sandhagen. What a performance. With the spinning wheel kick TKO over Marlon Marais in the second round. We'll get into all of these, but we're going to start back at the bottom as Ilya Tupiria with the unanimous decision win over Yusuf Zalau. Dom, you got the, you got the notepad. Uh, break down that fight and what your thoughts were. Well, I'm not. <laughs> we're both having voice cracks today. <laughs> I must say, if we're talking about spinning shit, we kind of have to talk about the one prelim kick. We may have witnessed last or Saturday night the greatest knockout in UFC history. Yeah, just maybe. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, it's better to touch on this now. But uh, wow, we on our prelims. I even mentioned. That Impa Impa Kazagane, who had really kind of broke out on Tuesday Night Contender, which is kind of the point of that show. He really showed off his personality, his style. Uh, really looked like a guy who they could build up. Yep, one is UFC And I still still think they can. Um, however, he just got put on a highlight reel that you're going to be seeing for years to come. It was the most retweeted, liked, viewed video the UFC social medias had ever put out. Oh, I believe that. Let me find the exact statistics. Basically, here Joaquin fast. Buckley uh, throws a front kick. I believe it might have been a. Mm, yeah, been it a was side. like a left body kick or left high kick. One but of the two. A Impa, normal kick. Yeah, but Impa catches it, which was impressive. Yeah, he like caught it with his hand, was holding on to it, and Impa does a spinning side kick 
straight while his other leg is being held. Yes. To Impa's face. Yes. And Impa was frozen like statue falling. Yes. Like Precise. you know those the knockouts where the guy being knocked out still stands for a few seconds before dropping. That's what this. They're was. always so fucking scary and yeah. just like they add a little something to yeah. the knockout. Uh, that's what happened. Um, completely put him on a on a highlight tape. Oh, you'll be seeing um, it for years. And Joaquin really made a name for himself that night. Did you see the clip? Dana coming. That to was to him. awesome, dude. And he was like, "I'm gonna cry," you know. Yeah. And Dana was like, "Bro, like, I you I, might get every bonus." bonus. Uh, oh man! Uh, he really made a name for himself that night, and he got to show off his personality as well. Um, that's a tough loss for Impa, a guy that really was on the rise, and now this is oh, it's kind of like the Ben Askren thing of like this is always going to follow him now. That's exactly what it's like. That's a very great comparison. Of course, not the but same name, but it, you know, th- these two weren't like shit talking each other in the right. lead up. A lot of respect. Yeah, so I, I, I can't say that he's going to be clowned for it forever, but you know, like, if Impa Kazagane is ever in the top ten, top five, if he's ever in a title fight, people that like the other fighter, they're going to be posting his face yeah. when he got knocked out. Like, it's it's the nature of the beast. But, yeah. Before uh, last night, or Saturday night, because this is always uh, uploaded on Monday, Buckley had around 3,000 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. He has 58,000 followers yeah, right now on Instagram. That's, the power of social media is The UFC's massive. tweet of the kick has, at this moment when we're recording, 11.6 million views. Wow. 139,000 retweets. 346,000 likes. That is a lot. The whole world saw this last night. Yeah. And it was a prelim fight. It was a prelim fight. Of an ESPN Plus card. Yeah. No, it was, I mean... Absolutely can, awesome. Incredible. We can't say anything that hasn't already been said. It's one of the best knockouts ever. Uh, I'm not going to quite say it's the best. Uh, recency bias would make me not say that because uh, it's very easy. You'd have you to see, go back and I mean, really Let's be honest. Him. The best knockout in UFC history is probably the Masvidal flying knee. Oh, even our man who we're going to speak of, Barboza, he's got that spinning wheel yeah. kick. That that was a while. Like, for fix. me, it's probably Masvidal with the knee just because of five seconds, everything that led up to it, the, the hands behind the back. But that does not take away from Buckley. Easily knockout of 2020. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, at the end of the year, I'm sure we'll talk more about when we do that end of the year stuff. But uh, I'm very excited to really see both these guys fight again. Uh, tough loss for Impa. Um, he was very respectful. Did you see he yes, tweeted at yeah. uh, Joaquin and just told him what an honor it was. To He's share such a well-spoken, like gentleman, very humble, yeah. very like true mixed martial artist. Yeah, and I'm very excited to see both these guys fight again. Shout out to Buckley who really made a name for himself. Uh, when I was taught, when I was giving my shout out to Impa on Friday, didn't even mention that he was fighting Joaquin Buckley. And now, yeah. guess what? I'll never forget him again. Yeah. What a, what a performance, what a kick. Mm-hmm. You'll be seeing it for years to come. Yeah. But now now, now we move on to Aaliyah Tuperia. You may have a decision whenever Yusuf Zalau. Go ahead and take it away. Um, Let's just say Ilya is an incredible grappler and an incredible submission specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, really just round by round. There wasn't like a ton to go over, just a lot of really good grappling. A uh, huge suplex. That happened about halfway in round one, which is pretty cool. You don't see the suplex happen. Yeah, yeah not too much. Too often. It was like some Kurt Angle shit. The German suplex. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, 
Um, he had like five or six total submission attempts uh, throughout the fight against Yusuf. Um, he's an incredible grappler. Uh, at the end of the fight, he ended with over six and a half minutes of control time on the ground. Um, I did have, um, it was 3-0 in my opinion. The scorecards, however, was a 29-28. Uh, all three judges, a unanimous decision for Ilya. The only negative that I saw out of him was that he did gas quite noticeably in that third round. But at the same time, if you watch this fight, the amount of pressure that he put on and the grappling and all the submission attempts, it really takes a toll on your body. So it just really showed. So again, he can improve that gas tank just a little bit or learn to just dial it back just a little so he can be fresher in those later rounds. But other than that, extremely good performance from Ilya. Excited to see him back again. It's always fun when you see these submission specialists really put on a show with their jiu-jitsu and their high-level grappling. And shout-out to Yusuf Zalal, by the way. I know he lost, but he's no slouch, and he escaped every one of those submissions. This is a guy that had 11 submission wins coming into this fight, and yeah. Yusuf escaped every one of them. No, he, he definitely showed that his defense is very top-notch. But the big takeaway being, Tuperia looked damn good. Uh, I can't really put it any better than you just did for that fight. Um, I do still. I'm still interested in uh, Yusuf Zalau. I think he really showed something in that that gr- having that high su- high caliber submission defense. You know that that's gonna do that's gonna do you wonders as you make your way up. You know mm-hmm. the, the the ladder. And for Aliyah Tuperia, um, what a way to come out opening up this fight night card and um, the one that is initiating all of these yeah. uh, submissions and the suplex. Like he really did look very clean very clean on the ground mm-hmm. um everywhere the fight went he looked like he had, he was in command he was in charge he was very he didn't calm. even look bad on the feet no either. I was, that's what i meant like yeah. i'm not saying that he has the caliber of like the these boxers or right. kickboxers that have been spending years doing it but he at least looked confident in his ability to stand on the feet um and yeah he he controlled pretty much the entire fight yeah uh obviously all three judges gave a round to yusuf so shout out to him for at least taking a round but I don't even know if I would have went that far yeah, either. I didn't. Um, it was a good fight, I thought. I, I had fun with that fight. It was. A lot of people um, aren't big fans of the ground. Of grappling, but yeah. like this was one that was really fun to watch. Well, I always get a lot of. Uh, I get very like into like submission attempts. So like seeing guys escape submission attempts, it's kind of like a like a rush to me i'm just like yeah like i'm on the edge of my seat like is he gonna be able to pull it off and then a guy escapes and then he gets put in another one and yeah. stuff yeah. so i i always love seeing that so that's why this fight was really like i, I really enjoyed it yeah. for that reason but yeah good fight great way to start the car agreed agreed and uh now we go to heavyweight tom aspinall the <laughs> love, guy that I you're, you're guy. big on i love this and guy he proved that the hype is for real because he TKO'd Alan Baldo in a minute and 35 seconds, so I know you don't have too much on your... Yeah, there's not too much on it. uh, Go ahead and tell the people what you thought. You want to know what my first line was on the notepad? What's that? Tom is for real, and I won't be told otherwise. (laughs) Aspinall is an absolute stud. Uh, Back and forth for the first minute, um, Tom getting the better of the exchanges against Alan, but then Tom lands a takedown, which... If you have seen Tom's debut in the UFC, which obviously wasn't very long either, very 
crisp technical boxer with a lot of power like incredible boxer but he gets a takedown and i was like huh uh went literally straight to mount and started ground and pound and it was literally a, that was it alan couldn't keep taking these shots from a big yeah. dude laying on you like tom minute 35 in round one tko um i'm all on it i'm all yeah. on the hype train undefeated in the ufc 2-0 he's had two fights and both combined are less than three total minutes and now he wanted to fight Sergey. How do you say Sergey? Sergey Spivak. Sergey Spivak, because that was who he was originally scheduled to fight. Sergey had to pull out due to I don't know if it was COVID or injury, but either way, that's kind of the next step for him. And I think that makes all the sense in the world. Would love to see that happen by the end of the year. And then if he were to go in there and get another finish, especially if it's first round, well, it's definitely top fifteen to yes. us. Yes, yes, yes. I'm actually very close to already saying he's top 15 talk. I mean, these are big wins for him. I don't know if he quite has the recognition, I guess, that might be needed to get that top 15. You know, he's not Hamza. He's not sure, like, you know, Hamza could have easily gotten the top 15 after his second UFC win. But, you know, he that guy was on a big he just got more recognition for doing it Aspinall's been a little more low key about it but I think he's a name you're going to need to watch out for oh, in that heavyweight division down right now. Um, a fight that uh, down the road I would be very excited to see is him versus number 15 Tanner Bozer yep um, just throwing that out there could but, be after one but more I, but I do, I do I do I'm a guy that likes Sergey Spivak as well so I, I would like to see that fight too and I it makes sense to rebook it since they already booked it once. Right. Um, he looked damn good. And uh, it's a shame for Baldo. That was his UFC debut to be put away pretty easily. A guy yeah. who was undefeated going into that fight, I believe. Um, I said on Friday that I thought Baldo could still, even if he lost this fight, kind of bounce back and at least have a career in the UFC. I don't know how high he would get. But you have to realize this was a guy that was moving up from light heavyweight to heavyweight for this fight. Yeah. Uh, not sure if that's a long-term plan for him because he was a late-notice addition. Right. Uh, or if he's going to move back down to light heavyweight. But either way, uh, it kind of showed that what I said, that he, he may not have been ready for the power of heavyweight as Aspinall kind of ran through him pretty easily. Yeah. So I would say Baldo should probably go back to light heavyweight. I don't know how hard of a cut it is for him. He didn't look overly small I didn't think mm -hmm. uh, but and he's a tall guy yeah he's tall I, I, I definitely would first, I would probably rather him go back to light heavyweight and see if he can get another fight in the UFC and maybe bounce back mm -hmm. there but either way can't hurt to have more in that heavyweight division because it is a very thin division yeah. and for Aspinall since it is so thin you could capitalize on that pretty easily I mean I could I bet he could get a top 15 right now he probably could I really enjoyed his post-fight interview because he wanted to give Sergey his due. He wants mm -hmm. that fight to happen. And he's just like, I'm in no hurry. I'm young. I plan to fight 10 more years if I can, so I'm in no rush. I want to improve every aspect of my game. And so I, I respect that when a fighter comes out and admits that, and they're not just like, oh, yeah, top 10 right now. I'm ready. You know, mm -hmm. They know where they're at and where they want to be. And that's more reason to see. That's like what this that guy. was my takeaway. Was like I'm sitting here going, I could see him fighting top fifteen next. And he, meanwhile, he's like a little more reserved on where he wants to go next. Yeah. He little, he realizes that he's good, but he wants to be better before he gets these big names thrown to the wolves. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I love it. Then we go to another 
UFC debut, Drickus Duplessis, with a big knockout win in three minutes over Marcus Perez. This guy's badass. Tell the this, tell the tell the thing that you told me before we start recording. So, uh, Drickus is from South Africa. Mm-hmm. Dominated their circuits down yeah. there. Literally every organization he's fought for, um, dominated. He was a double weight world champion, going for his third belt at a third weight class before the UFC gave him the call to come to the UFC. Do you know what three divisions it was? I don't. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Maybe guess, they have different weight classes, but my guess is that middleweight might be his his uh, sweet spot. Well, I was gonna say the the lowest class of the three he might. Yeah, for. might have been middleweight, light heavyweight, and this guy is huge. He's for middleweight. very big. He he reminds me somewhat of like Apollo Costa, and like how does this guy make 185? Yeah. Like, he was huge. Marcus Perez looked like on a completely different weight class yeah. than him. And it showed. Look, this was a tough loss for Perez, man. I mean, uh, outside of me kind of clowning him about the whole Joker. I'm clowning him about the whole Joker or thing. Or punning. I, I didn't, that was unintentional. <laughs> or, never mind. I was going to yeah. say something real cringe. Marcus Perez is now 2-4 and four in the promotion. Hasn't looked bad, but this was definitely his toughest loss. Just being finished pretty quickly. And yeah, pretty it was a. Uh, but it would I mean, what a tough matchup for him. I mean, this guy just looked on a different weight class. Just looked on a different level. Uh, big win for him. Uh, that guy's for real. Yeah, I, it, I'm. De- I definitely think the middleweight division needs to be on notice. It was immediately when the fight first started. Perez was locked in, ready, focused. Drikas was noticeably, in my opinion, and I think they even commented on it. He, he looked nervous. You know, UFC debut, short notice, a pretty decently named guy that you're making your debut against. So rightfully so. I'd be nervous too. But as the fight went on, again, it only went three minutes and 22 seconds. Minute by minute, he got more comfortable. He started to pull ahead because Marcus didn't look bad until this exchange happened. And literally, I, I was like, what, what just happened? Mm-hmm. The left hook, I didn't even see it. You had to play the replay. Yeah. And it hit him right on the temple. Perez face planted. Drickus is for real. And I think now that he has that debut win in his belt against a decently named opponent, yeah. that nervousness, that fear of being in there on the big stage won't be there anymore. Or I, not as bad. I mean, look, the punch that basically finished the fight was by no means like a like something that required a lot of power out it, of him. It hit that spot. Just a sweet spot. So yeah. I think that that was a big for his confidence uh, to just let the hands go when he gets in there because he's a problem for that division, yeah, I think. that watch out for – that's two fighters in a row. Watch out for both. <laughs> I, I lo- I, I'm, I'm loving Drick. And he's intense as well. Yeah. He, he, I don't know if you saw the stare down between him and Perez, but yeah. he was not about right the, He was face. not about that shit. The yeah. fucking – like the, the Joker makeup and stuff. He was like, I'm all business. Yeah. And he showed it in the cage. I was very impressed. So, so much so, he could be one fight away from being top fifteen. I, I mean, yeah. Again, a lot. There's other factors than just if they're good enough. Yeah. You know, Hamzat was able to do it because everybody was talking about him. He fought literally twice in a in week. nine days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like he really earned. Like he just became such a popular part of the sport almost overnight. That that's why I, he kind of like. If people weren't talking about him the way they were, no matter how good he actually is, like, yeah, the one-shot KO, like, would have been talked about. But let's yeah. say, like, you know, 
it, it was kind of forgotten about, he wouldn't be talking about top 15 yet, I'm sure. Right. I feel like they would be making him keep going, but um, I'd love to see where Drickus goes from here. Because mm-hmm. I think he's a problem. Oh, yeah. He's good. Yeah. Watch out for him. So, now we get to two guys that are a little more established. Yep. Heavyweight, Marcin Tibera, Ben Rothwell. They are vets of that heavyweight division. Um, Tibera picks up a big unanimous decision win, and what I'm going to go ahead and say was the fight of the night. For the main card, this was fight of the night, in my yeah. opinion, as well. And I, I was shocked. I feel in, bad. In my preview, I'm pretty sure I said... Yeah. This had the least chance of being a good fight. We I didn't think. hype this fight up very much. No. Rightfully so. I mean, really. Based these, off of their Yeah, it's just, but they both brought it. It was a very good fight. Yeah, so go ahead and take away with your thoughts. Uh, first round was very phone booth fighting, right in that clinch range. They were throwing bombs at each other. Uh, I literally wrote, <laughs> already a better fight than expected. <laughs> uh, I had been up 1-0 after the first round. I thought it was very close, but his output was insane. He threw like over 300 strikes last night. Yeah. It was wild. He only landed like 27%, but I'll get into <laughs> that part. But the first round, Ben looked good. It landed the better shots. Uh, still a close round, but I had Ben winning. More of the same in the second round, except this time um, Tybura got the better shots, and he started going to the body with uh, body kicks. Shout out to the Polish power. He got the left body kicks from Jan Blachowicz, I'd have to imagine. <laughs> Um, so I had it 1-1 going into the third. Knew it was going to be a very good fight, a very good final round to determine who's going to win. And Tybora actually got a big takedown and dominated every second of it with a very active ground and pound. And honestly, a lot of I think they even, or no, it was a 29-27 times three, but a lot of people were even calling for a 10-8. Yeah. I was on the fence because I use um, Verdict MMA. Yeah. Shameless, like, not paid or anything, but like if you guys don't know who Verdict MMA is, you get to basically score the rounds live, yeah. and then they take globally and um, announce the stats. So I've been doing that the past two cards, and a lot of people did score at ten eight, but I went ten nine. Just be nice. Um, but needless to say, he dominated, and I was very impressed with his entire performance. Well, the judges apparently agreed with the ten eight because it was twenty nine twenty seven on all three scorecards. Yeah. So. yeah. Was that was that your thoughts? Yeah. Oh, okay. And well, Marcin is now one three in a row, and he's right. In my opinion, right back in there for number fifteen. Yeah. yeah or I mean, fifth, uh, top fifteen. I mean, he at one point was in the top fifteen. Not sure what kind of caused him to fall off for a division that's as thin as it is. But I'm definitely thinking that uh, I want to see him and Tanner Bozer next. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Tanner Bozer, number fifteen ranked, a guy that's definitely. I know I've mentioned him twice, but. You know, he's 29. He's definitely one of the guys that the their division's kind of depending on to be as legit, a little more so than maybe Sakai as, mm-hmm. appro- as proven. Uh, he's 19-6-1. He's, sh- he's lost in the UFC, lost to Cyril Gain. That's another guy that I could see. But this would be a big step up for Bozer and his level of competition. Yeah. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense to book that. For Rothwell, I don't think I feel like Rothwell should also kind of be in the top fifteen. Yeah, it's. it's I would odd. even say him versus uh, number fourteen Blagoy Ivanov. And I don't think they fought each other either, so that I don't believe make sense. so. Um, so I, those were just a couple ones I wanted to throw out there um, for fights. Overall, this ended up being a really good fight. It was. Uh, this new Rothwell, I'm kind of you know I don't want to say new like. 
I've personally really enjoyed his last fight with OSP, which is not a popular opinion because it is a bit sluggish um, as it goes on. But Rothwell looked clean in that fight. Mm -hmm. Looked good. And yeah. here, I know he lost, but he still looked good for quite a bit of the fight. He's such an awkward... Uh, the striking landing percentage is pretty bad. Yeah, it was around the 28 percentage. Yeah, that's night. not good. But the output is somewhat... Yeah, if you're a heavyweight throwing 300-plus strikes... The output was impressive. Never looked tired, really? No. That shit's insane. That's impressive for that kind of output. So I, I would definitely be okay with him also getting a top 15 next because he was a guy that was definitely top 10 at one point. Yeah. And he only dropped out because of his inactivity for a while. Yeah. So uh, overall, yes, um, Tibera clearly won and Rothwell did clearly lose but i feel like both guys can kind of benefit from that kind of showing because yeah. it ended up being a much better fight than i thought it had any right of being mm -hmm. and i'm glad it was the yeah. two veterans of the heavyweight division they we just had the heavyweight prospect earlier in the main card mm -hmm. so they kind of came out and they're like all right we're the veterans we're going to show you how it's done right and, and they did yep we move on to our co-main as bearded barboza I love it. That should be his new thing. <laughs> yeah. Got the unanimous decision win over Makwan Amirakani. Uh, this is basically what I said, man. I said either I, I thought it would be a decision, but I was I picked Barboza. It was like, okay, is Barboza going to prove that he's still alive, essentially, in this division and that he can still thrive and win big fights? Or is Amirakani going to take that next step and show that he's more of a legit threat than he had been given credit for? Yeah. Barboza proved it. He looked good. He did. He really get. Um, and this again, this was not the original matchup, so it proves more to the point of how good Barboza is because this is no easy task. No. Fighting a guy like Makwan, who's known for his grappling and submissions. Um, round one was really a filling out round. Uh, they both respected each other's strengths in the sense that Barboza is known for being a very good striker, even counter striking, but being aggressive. But he realized how dangerous Makwan is on the ground, so he was not as aggressive. Makwan mm -hmm. obviously knows how great of a kicker that Edson is and just striker in general. So Makwan was also very hesitant. And it was just a feeling out round, interesting round. Makwan did land a takedown with about 10 seconds left, but I didn't think that was enough to win him the round. So I did have Barboza winning that first round. Then in the second round, Edson dropped Makwan twice. Same exact shot. Both times. The first one came about halfway into round two, um, and then the other one happened a little bit later on. So, so much so that people were scoring that, um, and even one judge scored that a 10-8, which I thought was interesting because outside of those two big shots landing, there wasn't enough more. Like, even when Barossa would try to go for the finish, he didn't do enough, and Machwin kind of regained quickly and realized what he was doing. So I didn't have it as a 10-8, but again, when you drop a guy twice in one round, I can see the justification yeah. to do that. Um, and then, really, the third round was the best round for Machwin, and a round I actually scored for him on verdict. He did get a takedown in over two minutes of control time. Not enough to win the fight when you're already down 2-0. So the final scorecards was a 30-26, which is where the 10-8 came into play, a 30-27, and then one judge had a 29-28. So... So Three how, different scorecards. So how did you score it? I had a 29-28 for okay. Barboza. 
Um, and of course, he got the unanimous decision victory. Yeah, he was. He, he looked, looked really good, clean. Man. I mean, it was kind of the way I thought it. He looked a little more tentative. Yeah. Um, but he seemed to warm up as the fight went along. Even though that third round, he did maybe lose. That was probably his worst round of the three. Yeah. But that was kind of due to him probably getting a little too overzealous. Like, I think he got a little too comfortable, mm-hmm. and Amir Khani was able to take advantage and finally get that takedown that he had been struggling to secure all fight. Um, didn't seem enough from Amir Khani here to buy in. Yeah. You know, it just, there wasn't a ton of action in this fight. Um, Barboza was just in control. He was the Very more composed. experienced, you could tell. He knew yeah. what he was doing. And for Makwan now, all three of his losses are the three biggest names that he's fought. Yeah. And that's where the problem is. If you're yeah. trying to fight your way through the rankings, right. you got to get one of those as a win. Yep. So it's a, he's in a tough spot. Because yeah. he's 6-3 and three right. in the UFC, which is not bad. No. It's just, it's just his can wins, you win the big ones? His wins just haven't been as impressive yeah. by any means. Yeah. Um, for Edson here, he's ranked 14th at featherweight. Now, you picked a fight that I think makes a lot of sense, yeah. and I'll let you go ahead and talk about that one. What's a below average Joe's MMA podcast without mentioning Sadiq Youssef? Yeah. And this was the fight that was originally scheduled to happen, so similar to the Tom Aspinall versus Sergey fight, book it. Yeah. Uh, uh, when Yusuf's healthy, book this fight. He's ranked 12th, Yusuf yes. is, and that would be big for both guys. Yes. Because Yusuf is still working his way up, and even though Barboza's behind him, he has a bigger name than some oh, of those people. Oh, it would by far be the biggest name for Yusuf. There's, there's, some of those names right ahead of Yusuf don't have quite the name of Barboza. Yes, exactly. While for Barboza, he's still kind of trying to establish himself in that division, unfortunately, because Amir Khani, who is good, is not ranked. So, like, if he would have beat Yusuf, like, if he is able to... Uh, that would be huge for him in showing that he's still alive and still ready to go and still a problem in the right. division. He's not washed. Yeah, you know? and he's because st- again, it's Edson Barboza, huge name, but he's only one and one technically at featherweight. Mm-hmm. But he's ranked and deservingly so because he he literally came down and fought Ige, who's ranked tenth in his first yeah. fight in that division. So number twelve, Sadiq, woo, striking battle. Yeah. Oh man, hey. Sign me up. I got three potential matchups. Uh, one would be number, he's technically tied for 10th, but I'm just going to say 11th, uh, Shane Burgos. Yep. Um, we saw Shane have a barn burner with Josh Emmett uh, not too long ago, and Burgos came, was the loser of that fight, but that's why it kind of makes sense for him to go down and fight number 14, Barboza, but it can still be a big fight for him because he's relatively unknown for being as highly ranked as he is. But then a couple of uh, style clashes here for matchups that I don't know if they'll ever happen, but I I would still be very interested in is number thirteen Ryan Hall. Mm-hmm. Talk about a guy a guy who is he he is a owns up to it. He will not. He's not a guy that's going to stand. Yeah, that there's your striker grappler. He's matchup. going to look to take it down and rip off a limb. Yeah, because that guy's uh, submission skills are just lethal. And number 15 ranked Bryce Mitchell, who's kind of the same story. Wouldn't say he's against being on the feet, but his groundwork is so impressive. And we saw that on full display at UFC 249 against Charles Rosa. Yep. So I, I've been ready to see Thug Nasty get back in there. He's a guy that uh, is very popular. 
and it could do a lot for either one of them to win that one. Um, now, Mitchell being 15 is behind Barboza, so that one probably has less of a chance of happening. But give me him and Burgos or him and Ryan Hall or him and Yusuf. Those are the three guys ranked in front of him. I'm all about that. Love it. Yeah. Shout out Bearded Barboza. Seriously. Yeah, bearded great. Barboza. Good for him. Yeah. I'm happy for him. So now we're... We're here, the main event. Main event of the evening. Yeah, this was a big fight for that Bantamweight division. Number one ranked Marlon Moraes, the guy who has seemingly been ranked number one in that division for two years, just really holding that spot. Uh, he went up against Corey Sandhagen, who is ranked uh, is ranked number four. Yep. And Corey Sandhagen ends up getting a second round TKO being the spinning wheel kick. Yeah, was not expecting that. Yeah. All kinds of well, spinning Well, obviously, things. we both picked Marais to win this one, yeah. and uh, Sandhagen said, y'all must have forgot. Made us eat our words. My biggest takeaway here, and we'll get into the more nitty-gritty of the fight itself, my biggest takeaway from this fight is that this firmly established that Aljamain is number one for that. Yeah, one million. If, if that hadn't already been clear... He's the number one contender. One million. Percent. The only person who could have any sort of argument against him is Marlon Moraes, due to the KO win yeah. he had over him. Uh, even though he also had the weird split decision with Jose Aldo, and uh, but now that he's been taken out, uh, it's all Aljamain for the and Jan. That's that's the matchup now. Especially when you look at both of their last fights. Yeah. Aljo beat Corey. Corey just TKO'd right. Marlon. So just Aljo Jan. Signed the papers now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, first round was an amazing round in the sense that it was a very technical seeing what each other are going to do, uh, but still a lot of strikes were thrown, a lot of stri- strikes were landed. I actually had Corey up one of I, I could see the opposite being Marlon as well. I did have Corey. Just, he had very good leg kicks, mm-hmm. utilized the reach a lot more. He's a long, lanky guy, yeah. especially for that division. And Marlon's... I think Corey's 5'11", Marlon's 5'6". Yeah. I mean, they look like different weight classes yeah. in there last night. So it was a very back-and-forth first round, very fun to watch. I love when people have those feel-out rounds as long as it's not too boring. And this right. was like that perfect Yeah, watch them learn what they're going to do. Both guys, and I know this is true for any fight, but for both these guys and in this matchup, it really felt like you had to pay attention – at all times because it really felt like at any point one of them could land one shot and it'd be done. So I think that's what adds to that being an exciting feeling out process because you know when they are throwing, even if it's not like a lot as far as quantity, Mm -hmm. you feel like the quality of the strikes are perhaps very deadly. Yeah. But I'll let you continue in your breakdown there. Well, there's not much to speak of in round two. (laughs) Yeah. More of the same at the start, but Corey didn't waste any time. Uh, one minute and three seconds in, he does a wheel kick. A spinning wheel kick. I put, wow, amazing. Spinning wheel kick out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. From Corey? Yeah. That's what I wrote. If anyone was going to do some spinny shit and get a flashy knockout, I thought it was going to be Marlon. Right. And if we're talking one-shot power, again, this wasn't like a one-shot kick and Marlon was asleep, but that's also toward Marlon. So he lands the spinning kick, sends Marlon doing cartwheels backward across the octagon, Pounces on him for the TKO ground and pound finish. It was a perfectly good stoppage, in my opinion. People yeah. were arguing, as people do. Everybody, that seems to be all people talk about. It's just nowadays. like he just would have kept getting punched. And yeah. Mark Goddard's like, 
top tier. One yeah. of the best, if not the best. Yeah, it's like him and Herb were like the, the top. Yeah. So he stepped in when he needed to to stop Marlon from taking further damage. Marlon seemed okay with the stoppage. He was wobbly, getting up. Corey Sanhagen, he's for real. In case you all forgot. Yeah, and you know, if you all forgot, uh, he, he made a couple call-outs too after this fight. Loved both. But he especially said, one. He said either number five ranked Frankie Edgar or... An unranked fella. An unranked fella. Hmm. Who could it be? A returning T.J. Dillashaw. Now let me just say, I <laughs> like this much better than giving T.J. a damn yeah. title shot. Again, I am I was uh, pessimistic that maybe the UFC is looking to book T.J. and Jan, but this fight would make a lot of sense. Sandhagen, Dillashaw. This is, That's perfect. I don't even want to go... They're like, yeah, Corey versus Frankie's cool and all, but I want Frankie Dominic Cruz, the Battle of the Legends. Right. Sterling Yawn. Corey Sanhagen welcomes back the former champion. Because mm-hmm. uh, TJ didn't lose the Bantamweight belt. He went down, lost to Henry, and then he got kicked yeah. out of the UFC. Right. Not kicked out of the UFC. You know what I'm saying. Suspended. Two-year two suspension. So... What better way to welcome welcome him back than the guy that's readily available in the top five, and that if TJ can win, can probably get a title shot right afterward. And if yeah. Corey beats TJ, he's right next in line, following the winner of Sterling Yawn. Mm-hmm. That's it. Book it. And the timeline lines up. Yeah. Because Corey just won. It's October. TJ's mm-hmm. eligible to return in January. Mm-hmm. Corey didn't take damage. January, February, March. Book it. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I love it because uh, I think it does a lot for either guy, Sanhagen, who, again, the the rising prospect that he is, that would be his most biggest name. That was an incredible, intelligent call-out by him, I must say. I agree. Sometimes there's call-outs and you're like, huh? Yeah. Or they're just going after the big name guy. Yeah. This makes so much sense for Agreed. him, and I'm so glad that he utilized the yeah, platform I liked he, to do Yeah, I like he named a couple guys. Like, both of them make sense. They're both veterans, legends of that sport, and um, I'd be fine with either one, even Frankie. Uh, I know I've, I'm still one foot in, one foot out on Frankie's like uh, value in the top five of the division. I'm still not 100% in on him being like that highly regarded at Bantamweight uh, at this point in his career, but he did have a big win over Munoz, so who knows. Um, overall, though, the fight was very good. Uh, didn't last super long, but it it was very impressive by Sanhagen for Marlon. I mean, I don't know. I would actually probably say him versus Pedro Munoz makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good fight. He's fought a lot of the guys at the top of that division. And that's one of them that he hasn't. Yeah, so. I mean, I would say Cody Garbrandt, but Cody oh. is... Uh, Injured and he, if it wasn't for Cody going down yeah. next to fight Davidson, that's like a, yeah. we both said yeah. that on our uh, special episode last yeah. week. So yeah, that would be it. But again, Cody's not there. Mm-hmm. Pedro makes a lot of sense. I think so too. Pedro coming off an, a debatable uh, loss in a split decision to Frankie Edgar. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, fight where he looked good, and he he has that knockout win over Garbrandt from the past, yeah. so he's shown that he can bang when it comes to with the hands. I like that matchup. Yeah, that's a good one. And, and that could headline a 
Oh I yeah, for sure. He's, Marlon's proven that he can he can yeah. hold the hold the cards on his when shoulders. You, when you're fun to watch, yeah. People people gravitate. Watch. People yeah. gravitate. You put it. asses in the seats. Yep. In this day and age, they're they're in the recliners, not in the <laughs> arena. But yeah. you know. Yeah, and uh, with that, we're closing the book on hashtag UFC Fight Island Five. Then we get another one. Yep. So, for the rest of the week, Wednesday, this episode's a little extra special because. <laughs> We're going to be reviewing Fight Island Declassified, uh, the four-part miniseries documentary that UFC uh, put together. It's on uh, Fight Pass. It's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, basically totaling about two hours in length or so, a little over two hours maybe. Um, but we're going to review that entire uh, docu-series. Do something different yeah, here for the special some, episode. Some That's something, part of this new yeah. rebranding. I just think it's a know? big deal, this documentary. Yeah. And it, it's gonna. I still have yet to watch it. I know you have, but we're going to really break down each episode and tell you what we like, what we don't like. Uh, just give a little more insight for people who maybe don't really care to watch it but want to hear about the behind the scenes and whatnot. Well, and we've wanted to talk about Fight Island yeah. and this have is, never this is, gotten yeah, to Yeah, this do. is our chance, our first chance, so, I would say, to yeah. talk about Fight Island, and yeah. that's that, that definitely holds some weight here as well. As for Friday, we're back with another uh, Fight Night preview. Oh. Hashtag UFC Fight Island 6. It's the fight of the featherweight division. Halloween's coming early. <laughs> Because the zombie's back. Number two, Brian Ortega taking on number four, Chan Sung Jung, a.k.a. the Korean zombie. I'm not ready for this. Co-mained by um, Jessica Andrade and Caitlin Chukagian. Number one and number two for Jessica at strawweight, but that's going to be basically a title eliminator for flyweight. Yep, number 12 ranked Cyril Gaines back, undefeated 6-0 is going to be on that main card. This fight night for even the most casual fan is going to be one that they you're going to want to watch. The last fight night before Habib and Gage. Yep. So, and they're going big. Yep. So we're going to be breaking down that entire card on Friday. Uh, very excited to do so. Um, just want to let y'all know we'll probably be doing the next couple episodes from different locations again. A little remote so, action. So uh, just be prepared that um, you'll notice you won't notice any much of a difference. Just I might sound a little. <laughs> A little bit different as far as the my what I'll be using to the, talk. the quality yeah. of the audio. yeah like it's not bad but you get my point yeah but uh, we'll listen we'll just do they love the, us next three episodes will be remote so just be on the lookout for that uh, but Dom tell the people where they can find you on social media Twitter Instagram decently fourteen find our podcast on Instagram at below average Joe's underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore, you will be taken to our link tree, which contains links to every major platform, Mm. social media that we are on, Mm. uh, YouTube channel, Instagram, Spotify, Anchor page, Apple, Google, and also a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. So if you can donate a few dollars a month, uh, all that money just goes back into the podcast on improving it better audio quality perhaps a video podcast all that comes from your contributions to the our brand essentially uh so don't have to but i just like to put it in there yeah anybody can just drop a few bills you know a few a few uh just a few hondos a few benjamins Uh, but again you can find all of that on 
Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. And with that, we're out, and we're going to see you all on.